Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Right away, Habakkuk 2, verses 6 through 11. Let's just, let's just jump into this thing. We've been walking through the book of Habakkuk. I told you um, the next few verses are going to be sort of negative. Hopefully that's, that doesn't, doesn't put you off. Um, God's not always positive. I don't know if you know that or not, but he's not always positive. God is real, and reality is not always positive. Um, sometimes it's a bit difficult to handle, but he always has a purpose and a plan in it, and he always brings something beautiful out of it. And so we find here in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 6, that God is telling Habakkuk what is coming. Now remember in verse 3, he says, this, this is a prophecy about the end, <clears throat> the end of the, uh, of the current uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, but also the end of time. So there's a dual meaning to this prophecy. We might be able to get to that today. I'm not sure. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 6, God says, Will not all of them taunt him? Him is kind of a proverbial uh, Babylonian, probably Nebuchadnezzar himself. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him. Now, now remember, there's going to be five woes. This is the first one. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. Extortion is taking wealth by threat or violence. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey because you have plundered many nations the people who are left will plunder you for you have shed human blood you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them verse 9 is the second woe he says woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin you have plotted the ruin of many peoples in so doing you shamed your own house and forfeiting your life the stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it <clears throat> now this is this is negative right um, but I want to I, I, I want to sort of work through this because I think it's very important what God is saying obviously every word of God is is important and life-giving God is speaking remember to Habakkuk Habakkuk is in a situation where all of Babylon is conquering the entire known sort of world at that time and Babylon just historically is doing historical things. The Assyrians had tried to maintain control of, of the entire Middle East. They were never able to do it. But Babylon has finally figured out a way to conquer the entire Middle East and beyond. And they're coming now for Judah. And Habakkuk's prayer, remember, started in chapter 1 where he said, God, there's so much violence and so much injustice in my land. And Why do you allow these things to go on? And God says, well, I am actually doing something about it. I'm bringing the Babylonians. And then Habakkuk has another problem. He's like, wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> there's, so, there's way more violence in the Babylonians. We talked about some of their violence, right? And like, we, like you, you, you can't use those people. Like, I thought we were your chosen people. And so Habakkuk is realizing, he's learning that God will use difficult things in our lives. God is not always concerned with our comfort. He's concerned with our character. And so he's figuring that out. 
He's learning that. He's like, wait a minute. I thought you were, you were our God. I thought you were going to prepare and protect and, and all this kind of like, aren't you going to make a way through the highway, through, 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 the, through the water for us? And God says, I am still working. I am still moving, but it's not the way you thought it was going to be. And so it's so important that as we talk about wild faith, God's trying to build our faith so that we're not just having the kind of faith that is relying on a particular outcome, but rather we have a faith that's relying on Jesus himself. It's so important. And that's what, that's what God is saying to Habakkuk. He's saying, he's saying look, bad things are coming. <clears throat> it's bad and it's going to get worse. That's God's message in Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, it sounds negative. You're like, oh, that doesn't sound... Well, you know, <clears throat> it's just the truth. It's what's coming. It's what's happening. But then God gives Habakkuk some insight. And he says, look, even though it's, it's, it's bad and it's going to get worse, here's the truth. The truth is if you fast forward from the current Babylonian domination, the Babylonians are actually going to reap what they sow. And so what we see in chapter 2 is God basically fast-forwarding the timeline from where Habakkuk is right now and from his lifetime into the future where he gets to see that the Babylonians actually aren't getting away with anything. They're not, they're not getting away. Nobody escapes the judgment seat of Christ. Nobody ex escapes, as Poppy would say, the long arm of consequences. You do, in fact, reap what you sow. And so we see that right here uh, in, in verse 6. God says, look, they will say, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy through extortion because the very people you stole from are then going to steal from you. They're going to rise up and they're going to they're steal from you. Just as you plundered many people, many people are going to plunder you. And so remember, this is all predicated by God's command to Habakkuk. Look, Habakkuk, you have to keep your eyes focused on me. The just shall live by faith. So, so today I want to just look at some of these woes in light of this statement, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith and not by wealth. The just shall live by faith and not by wealth. Wealth can be financial wealth. It can also be abundance. Abundance of any particular kind. Abundance of relationships, abundance of affection, abundance of friends, abundance of fame, abundance of followers on YouTube. Abundance can be uh, money, but it can also be any kind of way in which you try to increase your life. And by the way, increase or abundance is not bad. So God will often bless you with increase, bless your life with abundance, right? But you, you must be careful not to fall in love with the abundance, it's so important that you don't fall in love with the gift that you hold on to the giver. And so what God is saying, look, the just shall live by faith, not by abundance. Here you have the Babylonian who is living by his abundance. He is, he is stealing, and so he's gaining wealth. Whatever you think is essential to your life, you will get at any cost. <clears throat> we know the heart of Nebuchadnezzar because we see what he goes after at any cost. He goes after wealth. He feels that he needs wealth. And whatever you feel is essential to life, you will try to gain at any cost. But sometimes it's more important how you get something than what you get. And he gets his wealth through extortion, He's through stealing, through robbing. And I'm telling you, for those of you who are, who are in the hot pursuit of wealth, you, you will use anything. You will... Whatever you're trying to gain, if you're trying to gain an abundance of relationship, you will actually cut people down behind their back to try to build 
friendships to try to build an abundance of relationship. Gossip is sometimes a weapon of stealing someone's good name so that you can pile up a couple of buddies yourself. And, well, okay. Nobody seems, all right, fine. Maybe, 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 maybe I'm talking to the wrong. This is all just for the online people. Nobody here deals with that. But no, like if when, when, when you, whatever you put as an as a, as a idol in your life, will require you to do desperate things in order to receive it. And so Nebuchadnezzar has a great value, a great idol in wealth and abundance. And so he is willing to steal from others to gain what he needs. And God is saying, no, the just shall live by faith. And if you don't live by faith, you might actually get what you want. But if you don't get it by faith, you won't be able to hold on to it. You won't be able to keep it. It's not going to stay with you. God's fast-forwarding to Habakkuk the lifetime of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, look, he's not going to keep it. This is so interesting to me. As you look at the world scene, you see Habakkuk losing so much. He's losing his money. He's losing his land. He's about to lose his freedom. You have one man who is losing so much, and God is saying, Habakkuk, hold on to your faith. I realize you're losing this, you're losing that, you're losing the other, but hold on to your faith. Meanwhile, you have Nebuchadnezzar over here who is gaining so much, but he has let go of any faith in God. He has complete faith in himself, and everything he is gaining, he's not going to be able to hold on to. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So I don't know what you need to let go of in this season of pandemic, but whatever you need to lose, whatever, whatever you might lose, do not lose your faith. The just shall live by faith. Hold on with a martyr's grip to your faith in God. I don't care what, what you might lose, nothing is worth trading in your faith for. It really isn't. Back when we first started the church, we were about a year old as a church. Not even, well, yeah, we were about a year old as a church. We bought a new property, and the old rat shack of a house that we were living in, um, when you're a church planter, you don't get to live in nice places. All right, Jeremy and Melvina, come on, somebody. You don't get to live in nice, you live in shacks and because uh, you don't have any money and so uh you know we we lived in this in this nice property that we were going to be able to build up someday but we were living in the house which is basic should have been condemned i mean it was it was not a great house we had uh, you for weeks for weeks you guys heard all of my stories every single week those of you that were with us from the beginning cassie you know about all the stories the bees that were in fe- honey bees in our wall like massive honeycombs, like in our wall. It was crazy. We had rats one night. I sprayed them with, 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 with the, the, the long shot spray for, you know, for hornets, you know, because uh, I didn't have a gun. So I just to, like reach for the first thing I could find. I mean, it was, it was out. It was rough living. And then one morning it was bad and it got worse. Because one morning, I mean, literally, I don't know how much rain we got in 45 minutes, but it was nuts. Our, our pond, which the house was built in the 70s, way too close to this pond, well, the pond just rose up and came into the house. And I wake up to the house flooding. And I don't mean like a little bit of water. I mean two and a half feet of water pouring in through the doors. And, I mean, you, and it's me and the kids rose up with the, with, the, with, with the barn and doing stuff at the barn. And it's me and the kids, and I'm trying to figure out what I should. I grabbed, I, I, I put my, my iPad on top of the bed. I put my Bible on top of the bed. Grabbed my shoes because you, 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 you got priorities. And I saved them, 
Rose shoes are all cheap, so we can buy those again. That's fine. We can, we can, we can get those again, honey. We'll just, uh, but my shoes aren't, you can't just buy them. I mean, you can, but. So anyway, we didn't, we didn't have insurance, okay? So as, as two and a half feet of water, and, and then and like Madden, like my, I think she was seven at the time, six. She's crying because her favorite stuffed animal's down in her bedroom. So I'm down there trying to find it. And then I noticed her, her nightlight is plugged in. It's on and it's underwater. And I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not good. I'm in the same water. And so then, then the water starts rising up to the level of the outlets, you know, and so I run over to the, to the fuse box. I'm trying to turn off all the breakers. I mean, it was pandemonium. You wake up to that and there's a tornado uh, warning, not a watch. It's a warning. It was coming our way. And I mean, it, it, the rain is just going sideways. You can't see anything. I'm grabbing the kids. I'm trying to open the door. There's a torrent of water coming through. I'm trudging through. We get in the car. We pick up row. Then we realize our culvert has been washed away. So the car actually bent the frame of the car. We got stuck in the culvert. So we ruin a car. We lose. I don't know if you ever lost almost everything you owned in 30 minutes. But it's not a good feeling because yeah, we didn't have insurance. We couldn't do because, once again, we're poor. We're pastors. We didn't, definitely didn't have flood insurance. I mean, who has flood insurance in the middle of a desert, you know, with a little pond? And so we do now. We have flood insurance now. I'll tell you that. And, and, and so we can't drive, and we're at the top of our property, at the top of the hill in, in a shack of a shed as well which wasn't was built a little bit worse than our house but and so we're 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 in the shed and and we're we're freezing it says this is uh october this is just the day before halloween and uh so we got blankets around us we're soaking wet madden my little girl looks up to me and she says daddy are we going to die and any you know i mean at that point it's a very real possibility. We just saw, we lost everything. I mean, when water comes in like that, it's crazy. Our washing machine moved six feet and slammed into the wall. It couldn't go any further. Every bookshelf, every gate, it was turned upside down. I mean, water just has a way of moving stuff, destroying stuff, especially like the sludge. So you, anyway, it's, it's pretty rough. So we just experienced some stuff that we never experienced before. And so she's wondering, are we, are we safe? Are we going to die? And everything in me wanted to look at her and say, no, honey, we're not going to die. Everything's going to be okay. But that would be a lie. I cannot, as a human, tell my child everything is going to be okay. I said, well, honey, uh, I didn't think it was going to flood today. <laughs> Personally, I'm a little surprised myself. I don't know what's going to obviously i don't know the future obviously i couldn't predict coronavirus obviously i couldn't predict the riots i didn't see it coming obviously i'm just a human i don't know what's down the road and so look i mean we're we're, we're doing a parenting class this year so you're probably gonna hear some good parenting advice which is going to start here in a couple of weeks there's a shameless plug for the small group well first parenting advice don't lie to your kids if you don't want them to lie to you don't lie to them don't give them lame, you know, oh, everything's going to work. I'll never let anything happen to you. Really? Are you, how are you going to, like, I couldn't stop the pond from coming into my house, but somehow I'm going to be the, the warrior for, I'm, don't put your faith in dad. Because I might not even be around forever. Like, I can't, I can't promise you any particular result. What I can tell you, and this is what I told her, I said, look, what I do know, God is good. God is faithful. God loves us. God is sovereign. God is in charge of the weather. God is in charge of my, our lives. 
I have chosen, mom and I have chosen to serve God. And so if we live, we're going to continue serving God. If we die, then we get promoted. <laughs> we're still going to serve God. God is going to be with us if we live. God is going to be with us if we die. I know that he will never leave us or forsake us. I just began telling her stuff I know because that's all I know. And literally, that's all, and it's not because I'm a pastor, I'm super spiritual. I'm just telling you, when, when your six-year-old is looking at you with fear in her eyes, and she's just had to evacuate her house because she just lost everything, and she asks you what's coming next, and you literally don't know what's coming next, the best thing to do is be honest. I don't know what's coming next, but I know who is still with us. I know who holds the future, and I know who is guarding us. The just shall live by faith safety. Sometimes we pile up wealth because we think it, it'll protect us. We call it financial security. <laughs> it's not, it's, it is a particular version of security, but it is not the kind that you ought to live by. It is not the kind that you ought to be, to be holding to that all your emotions are riding on. The just shall live by faith, not the American economy. The just shall live by faith, not, not by the investments and how well or badly they do. The just shall live by faith, not by how well your job is going. The just shall live by faith, not by how well your savings account is. The just shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in that God's going to bring the money? No. Faith in that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. That he is faithful to me. That he loves me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. And even if I have to file bankruptcy, God is still going to be with me. Even if I'm at the end of my rope and I hit rock bottom, I've found that the rock at the bottom is a man named Jesus Christ. He's been waiting for me to let go of my reliance on so many other things and just simply turn to him and believe him that he is who he says he is. He does what he says he does, and he will never leave me or forsake me. So I turn to Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. Habakkuk, look, look, it's going to get bad and then it's going to get even worse. But your faith shouldn't be on how it is getting or how it is going to be. Let your faith be in the person of Jesus, in God alone. Second, the second woe, he says, woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. This is a different kind of thing which people rely on, right? So the just shall live by faith, not by wealth or abundance. Secondly, the just shall live by faith and uh, not by a sense of security or a, a sense of distance from the danger. Notice he says, Woe to him who builds his house, number one, through injustice. Hello, America. How are you doing today? Woe to him who builds his house through injustice. You may be able to build your house through injustice, but the house that you have built through injustice will not stand. Even if you build it really, really high. So he's talking about somebody who built his house through injustice and then built it high enough where he thought he wouldn't be affected by the results of his injustice. He caused chaos with everybody down here, and then he thought he could just build a wall high enough to keep all the chaos out. Come on, somebody. He thought he could build his house high enough to keep, to keep away from the effects of the chaos he created. Look, if you light fire to houses in your neighborhood, your house will pretty soon be on fire. And this is not just a message to CNN, although if you're watching. Uh, this is a message to, to all of us. You cannot play with gossip and gossip not burn you. 
You cannot play with lust, husbands, and lust not burn you. You cannot play with sin and sin not affect you. You cannot play with these things and they not do damage to you. You cannot build a house so high that you escape the results of what you have done. Notice, look what he says. He says, even when you do, even when you find a way to isolate yourself, <laughs> even when you find a way to cut off all the other voices that you don't like and unfollow all the people that disagree with you, even when you find a way to, to, to get inside of your echo chamber, what, what will happen in your echo chamber? He says, the house you've built, verse 11, the stones of the wall will begin to cry out. <laughs> Your own wall will start speaking to you and condemning you. You can't even be alone with your thoughts because your thoughts start condemning you. You've blocked out everybody else who disagrees with you, but now your own head is condemning you and heaping, heaping guilt on you. And it says the beams of the woodwork will echo it. In other words, there will be this echo. The echo chamber that you create will eventually create this chamber of guilt and shame inside of you. Your own house will speak to you. I don't know if you've been in quarantine long enough to hear the walls talking, but I'm telling you it's true. You can be, you can be all by yourself and nobody, nobody that you don't like, nobody that made you mad that one time, nobody that you don't agree with, nobody that, you know, in that church, that man, 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 and you, 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 you cut out everybody else and you're just by yourself and you still find the same negativity because wherever you move, wherever city you go to, there you are. <laughs> You can't move far enough away from yourself. It's, you're still you. And the results, and that's what God's saying. God's saying, look, Nebuchadnezzar is doing a lot of evil, and it looks like he's getting away with it, but he's not. What's happening is he's creating this thing inside of himself. He looks like he's distanced from it. He's physically distanced, but he's not delivered. And there's a difference. And the joy of faith, the just shall live by faith, is that, you know what, you, you and I, those of us who have faith, we can take our mistakes, we can take our shame, we can take our guilt, we can lay it at the foot of the cross. <laughs> we can have, find deliverance, not just distance. We can find deliverance from it, not just distance. Sometimes we create distance. It makes us feel better for a moment. But as soon as our brain starts talking to us, as soon as we get alone with our thoughts, that's where condemnation comes in. Scripture says if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. And we can step boldly into his presence. But when our hearts, if our hearts do actually condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. So even when the echo chamber in our mind gets really loud, we can silence the voice of the accuser by pointing to the cross. Jesus forgave me. Jesus dealt with my sin. Jesus has loosed me from, my, from ever having to pay back. That's what forgiveness is. I don't have to pay them back. I don't have to remake up for what I did. I don't have to redeem myself. That's what, that's what the joy, that's what I've been preaching on for the past few weeks. I'm telling you, deliverance is better than distance. 
your, your 12-year-olds, your 13, your, your 15, your 18-year-olds, if, if you're going through it, you know kids are going through just as much as adults. They just don't have all of the tools to process some of the stuff that we have. So I can just imagine Daniel, he's hearing all, all this. He's seeing the fear in his parents' faces. He knows that something's coming. He knows that something's difficult. And God's speaking to old Habakkuk over here. And it's so interesting to me that God is giving old Habakkuk some peace. He's about to step into some difficult times, but God's giving him peace. But God doesn't just want to give peace. God's not just a God who, who makes old people feel comfortable. Come on, Poppy knows all about that. Come on, somebody. He's not just a God who's there to comfort you, like, you know, toward the end. Now, Poppy's actually a great example of this. He's also a God of brand new purpose and what is coming forward and what is coming out of this and where God is leading. Because Jeremiah, after he got all the negative stuff in the first 28 chapters, by the time you get to Jeremiah chapter 29, you come to verse 11, God says, I know the plans I have. I know I'm taking you into captivity, but don't forget, Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. These plans, oh, what are they? They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And so God's speaking to Habakkuk, giving him peace in difficult times, but God's speaking to eight-year-old Daniel, giving him purpose in difficult times. God doesn't just want you to survive through difficult seasons, through a pandemic. God has a purpose and a plan for your life in the middle of the pandemic. Because Habakkuk, this is the last we hear of Habakkuk. He writes his book. He delivers his eulogy, you know, at the end, his prayer of praise and worship. It's a beautiful thing. We'll get to it. But then he disappears from the scene. He's taken captive, assumedly, and dies in captivity. But Daniel goes into captivity as a kid. And he's transported and kept at the, at the king's palace, at Nebuchadnezzar's palace. Apparently, his parents were probably powerful or wealthy or both. And Nebuchadnezzar liked to, in order to maintain control of the powerful families, the places that he would conquer, he would invite their children to come be a part of the palace life. So they kind of got some perks there, you know, and some control because he's got your kids. And so Daniel is one of them. Daniel is, is called to live in the palace, him and, and a few of his, of his buddies. And they're living in the palace and they're being trained to be counselors, to be wise men uh, for the king. Well, in Daniel, I think it's chapter 2. The king, uh, Daniel hasn't been there very long, and the king has this dream in the middle of the night. And it's this, it's this brutal dream. It's a scary dream. It's so brutal. Now, I'm, I'm going to pull it up here. It's so brutal that, 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 that the king just can't sleep. And he calls all of his advisors, all of his counselors, gets them all in a room, and he says, guys, I had this, this dream. I know it's significant. I know it means something, and it, and it scared me to death. And we, I want to know what this means. I want to know the meaning and in, in the interpretation of this dream. And so they say, all right, king, give us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. He says, no, you guys might, you guys might be lying. You might make something up. This is so significant. This is so important. I need you to tell me the dream I just dreamed and then tell me the interpretation. <laughs> and they're like, um, that's not how this works. And so they, 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 they come back and they say, well, we do that like we don't know what you dreamt about but we can we can talk to our gods and we can chant and we can do things and we can figure out the interpretation of your dream and so he gets really angry and he says no i want you to tell me the dream you must tell me the dream in fact since you can't tell me the dream and the interpretation you're all gonna die 
Remember how Babylonians like to kill people. We talked about the poles and stuff and all that. And so they take everybody out. They go, like Daniel's still sleeping apparently. They go wake up Daniel and his buddies. They bring him out to the yard. They're going to kill them on the spot. And Daniel says, why are we being killed? And the guard tells Daniel what's going on. And he says, well, can I have a word with the king real quick? And uh, uh, he says, sure. And so Daniel goes to the king and he says, he says look, king, God, he starts telling him about his God. <laughs> Come on, in the middle of difficult times, this is the role of the church. This is part of the plan that God has for us. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. How is he going to prosper you? As you open your mouth and begin to share about who your God is, this is where miracles begin to happen. This is where God's able to work. He's not able to work with secret, secret Christians, I, 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 secret prayer, you know, Christians who just d dodge and stuff and never, you could read their Facebooks and not even know they're saved, you know, like something's up with that. But Daniel just comes out and he says, look, I, I, I know you serve these other gods, not saying anything bad against them, but let me tell you about my God. This is what he can do. He can reveal dreams and he can reveal the interpretation of them. He says, look, if you give me some time, I'll pray and ask God to reveal the dream. And the king says, okay, you have until sunup. <laughs> How would you pray if you had a couple of hours to hear from God? We just had a week of prayer and fasting. This It's too late to fast at that point, by the way. I mean, you can fast if you want. I, don't, I doubt he had a meal, you know. Like, it doesn't really do it, though. I mean, what, what's interesting to me is that Daniel was already in a place. This is the thing. So many of us, like, like we, we don't live in a place of prayer and fasting as a regular basis. We don't live in a place of connecting with God on a regular basis. And so when tragedy hits, we need more than a couple of hours. We need to, like, give me a couple of months, and I'll get myself into a place. I'm telling you, man, if you're, if, if, if you're not there, you can get there. And I think you ought to start right now. I think you ought to determine right now, I'm going to get into a place where when tragedy strikes, I know where to go, and I can hear from the Lord quickly. Because he's speaking, he's ready to speak quickly, but there's so much in our way, there's so much junk in our heads and in our minds and in our news feeds, and we're not focused on him. And so Daniel just needs a couple of hours. He says, just give me a couple of hours. He goes to the prayer closet. He asks God. God downloads to him what the dream is and what the interpretation is. God is ready to whisper his secrets into the ears of his friends. He's ready to whisper his secrets into the ears of his friends. In fact, man, this past week has been good. It's been good for me. I've, I've enjoyed uh, prayer every evening. Um, some of you have been joining us for prayer every morning. And I don't know, some, somebody mentioned this, that maybe we need to continue the, the morning prayers. So, you know, let, let's, just, let's, let's just spur the moment. Let's just throw this out. JT can, can keep track. Um, if we can get 15 people to comment that they want 15. Yeah, that's a pretty good number. If they can get 15 people, raising your hand doesn't count. You have to go on there and comment. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll count up the comments. If we can get 15 people to comment that they would attend morning prayer this week again, and I'm not saying we'll do it forever, but maybe just this week, I'll figure out the logistics. I'll, I'll, like, I'll do it if I have to. I'll get up at, at the ungodly hour of <laughs> and pray. And Lord. You're already doing it? They've already volunteered. Come on, somebody. No way. Nice. See, this is good. See, this is this is good staff meeting. Everybody, this is wonderful. This is how I find out what's going on. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Let's go for it. 
So prayer is happening every morning. All right, you got it. So if you're a part of our Facebook, you'll get that link. Also, if you text new to that phone number, 512-960-1617, um, we, can, we can connect you to that. Uh, we send out the link every morning via text, um, and uh, it's the same. Is it the same link that it's been at? Or is it it's going to be a different link? Okay. All right, it'll be the same link, but we'll send it out again in case you didn't get it. That's awesome, because I think it's so important that we live, that this is a habit. This is a habit of life. Daniel didn't start praying at that, that day. It wasn't the first time. This is a habit, and I'm telling you, your habits will build momentum in your life. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. And the way, the way that God prospered Daniel was this moment right here. Daniel comes back. They get all of the, all the counselors together. Daniel steps forward. Isn't it crazy? This poor, uh, this poor boy from, a, from little Judea has been conquered by this massive, mighty king. The massive, mighty king is now in need of somebody who can do something he can't do. And Daniel steps up. Daniel says, look, I know, I know a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. And he has revealed to me your dream. And so just real quick, we, we actually have a slide describing the dream. And I'd like to just put it up quick. Um, we're going to, we're going to I'll, I'll probably talk about this next week. But this is the dream. Uh, Daniel, Daniel interprets the dream. The dream was that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had seen a giant statue. And it was assumedly a picture of himself, a statue of himself. Because the head represents him. Is the head of gold. He saw this massive statue, and it was being built from the head down. There was a head of gold, and then there was a sort of chest and arms of silver. There was a waist of brass or bronze, and then there were legs of iron, and then there were feet of iron and clay. If you notice, that's one, two, three, four, five different levels there, five separate levels. And these levels represent five kingdoms. And David goes on to explain that God has revealed to Nebuchadnezzar what is and what will come. Which is why, I don't know, next week I think I'm going to get into it a little more, which is why the, the book of Daniel, the book of Jeremiah, and the book of Habakkuk all have dual meanings. All, they, they are all prophetic of, yes, what's happening to Babylon. But Babylon stands for more than just the current kingdom which is in place. Because if you notice, this entire statue is one man. He's one king. He's one Babylon. And so, and so, they, so, so Daniel says, look, right now, the head of gold, that is the current kingdom of Babylon. That's you, Nebuchadnezzar. That's what you've created. And notice how, as you go down the body, it's being built from the head down. As you go down the body, it gets lesser and lesser in value or quality. So it, there's gold at, on top, and there's silver next, which is less value. Then there's brass, which is less value. And then there's iron, which is less. And then there's iron and clay, which is even less than iron. In other words, he said, look, your kingdom is the most glorious. Nothing will ever be able, in all of human history, will be able to match what's happening right now. Nothing will be able to match it in its splendor or in its beauty or in its perfection. Now, it didn't last as long as some of these other kingdoms, but he said, look, it's beautiful, it's glorious, it's the most valuable. However, as you go down, you'll notice that it actually starts from the weakest metal and goes down to the strongest metal. 
So gold is quite pliable. If you take a, a, a coin, a gold coin, and just bite into it, leave a little mark. Silver is a little bit stronger, but sort of a similar way. Brass is getting quite a bit stronger. We get a little heat on it, and it'll move. But then you get down to iron, you've got to get a lot of heat on that thing because it's a composition of even more metals. It's not as pure. So it's not as valuable, but it's a lot stronger. And so these kingdoms are going to grow in strength and in might, but not in beauty or in value. Until finally you get down to this final stage where it's, not, it, it's, a, it's, it's a representation of the old with some new stuff put in. And so most believe that the, the gold head is the Babylonian Empire, which uh, you can see there lasted till 539 B.C., not very long. Actually, Daniel was alive when it fell. So Daniel is a real fascinating character. Um, then the, the next empire is the Medo-Persian um, Empire, what was formerly called just the Persians in Scripture. This is from 539 to 331 B.C., a little bit longer, and expand, expanded even more. And then you have the Greek Empire, which went until 168 B.C. Then you have the Roman Empire, which went from 168 or I think 27 BC is another figure because there was a lot of wars going on. Um, they they kind of consolidated power around 27 BC and then until 476 BC or if you count the Holy Roman Empire until like 1400s um, and now that, that was a strong the strongest empire so far was the Roman Empire. But now there's an interesting mix if you're looking at prophecies and you're looking at prophetic, you can see. Rome in Europe, you can see Rome there, and you know it's it's a, it's it's a, still a place in Europe, and out of that has ex, it has expanded so much. Even after it fell in 476, its influence grew, and it grew throughout what we now call Europe, right? Germany and and England, and then further on up into Ireland and, and some of those places. And then they sent out explorers, all from that one place, all from the place of iron. They sent out explorers who were like explorers slash conquer. Con, con, conquistadors, conquistadors. They were they were taking some people out, and they they invaded most of Africa, enslaved many people, colonized many people, just like Nebuchadnezzar carried people away captive. They 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 came over to the uh, to to this America, right? They took over their children, took over, I should say, all of North America, all the United States. Destroying and just, I mean, violence against the people who were living here, destroying the American Indians, crushing them, moving on up into the northern part of North America and all of Canada. And that whole region has been taken over by the children that have come out of Europe. The children of Europe oppressed much of Central America and even South America, literally a spread almost all around the entire world, forming still this, this kingdom. And I kind of feel like maybe that, that is the combination because we all have Roman roots. Most of us have senates and congresses. Most of us have, have the, many of the same principles that Rome was built on. America especially was intentionally built on a part of that, a combination of that, iron plus some clay that's been shoved in there. And it's, and it's not as strong as the former, and it's not as long either. And I don't think it's meant to last as long. But I believe we're living in the last days. I believe we're living in some of those days that, that, that Daniel talked about where he said, look, these kingdoms... When they are complete, when the whole idol, the whole image is complete, then there will be a rock 
in the dream, there was this massive rock cut out of a mountain, not cut out by hands. In other words, the king recognized it was cut out by God himself. And that rock, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that, that, that rock upon which I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that rock comes and rolls down the mountain and crashes into the feet, destroying the kingdoms, uh, the final kingdoms, and when the feet are knocked out from under it, the entire thing crumples and is destroyed. And that one kingdom rises up, which is why I'm happy to announce to you the coming kingdom of God, the coming rule and reign of Jesus. This is not a kingdom where we take over by force. This is not a kingdom where we use extortion. This is not a kingdom where we enslave the inhabitants of different places. This is not a kingdom where dog eats dog. This is a kingdom where one has laid down his life for all. And one deserves worship and one deserves glory and one gets the focus. He gets all the wealth. He gets all the honor. He gets all the praise. He gets all of the attention. And we, as his children, live in the joy and peace and love and long-suffering and kindness, the whole fruit of the Spirit. We live in this kingdom. And so, Father, we come to you right now. We thank you for this rock that has come, not in a political sense, not to take out like actual kingdoms in their, in their political sphere. You don't build a new iron slash something or other. You're completely separate. The rock would be stronger than these things. And at first, not seen as valuable either. The least valuable of all of these. And that's what Jesus was, somebody who didn't seem valuable, who didn't stand up for himself, who didn't point to himself, who didn't fight for himself, rather laid down his life for us. And the insanity of the wisdom of God <laughs> was displayed at the cross, that God would conquer these kingdoms by being executed by the kingdom, that he would allow that kingdom to kill his body so that his spirit could then raise that body from the dead in a newness of life, which is why Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my followers would fight. The kingdom I am building is not of this world. It's a new kingdom. It's a new, it's an, enti an entirely new paradigm, which means that the kingdoms of this world will run their course and they will crumble and they will reap what they sow and they will deal with the, with the, with the misery that they have created and they, and, and, and they will not stand. But there is one rock is completely separate from this kingdom, not built on it, not built from it. It's taken from the mountain, the mountain of God. And it comes to this world. Just like light came into the darkness and darkness couldn't comprehend it. But as many as did believe him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. And so, Lord, we thank you that even though many didn't believe and, and we didn't even believe at first, while we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you made us alive in Jesus Christ, raising us up, seating us in heavenly places, calling us sons of God, heirs of the promise. 
through your mercy in order that he in order that in order that he might show the richness of his great kindness and mercy this is why he did it this is why the rock came out of the mountain to glorify the god who is over all of these kingdoms the god who reigns supreme over all time and all history and so if you don't know him it's as easy as calling out on him if you need him in your life it's as easy as calling out to him he doesn't he doesn't judge you for 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 for, for missing stuff for not having what you need he's not he's not he's not condemning you for lacking wisdom he's not condemning you for lacking patience he's not condemning you for lacking what you need because the kingdom you've been a part of just simply didn't have any rock in it it had a whole bunch of other glitter and glamour it had a lot of flash but no substance you haven't had what you need that's fine his kingdom has come near to you his kingdom has come near to the other kingdoms of this world it's come into contact with it it's crashed into human history and all of human history was divided by it <laughs> we got BC and we got an AD all of human history was divided by the moment that the rock came into contact with the kingdoms of this world and immediately there began a breaking immediately there, there began a crumbling immediately there began a falling and we're living in the latter part of that falling but nevertheless the kingdom of God remains the kingdom of God continues and the kingdom of God is not Republican or Democrat the kingdom of God is not liberal or conservative the kingdom of God is not left or right the kingdom of God is from above the kingdom of God is from the mountain it comes from far above all of these other p petty arguments and so Lord we enter into the kingdom of God by faith put our faith in Jesus that he's able to save that he's able to deliver that he's able to set us free and that he's able to lead us into this season and that he is building his kingdom no matter what falls around us no matter what we lose we thank you that we are not going to lose our faith we hold on to our faith in Jesus we love you Lord you're so good to us you're so faithful